Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. I'm excited today to have on Darren Elwine and Derek McCoy. They are the authors of The Revolution. It's time to empower change in our schools. And I've been looking forward to this one for a while because, number one, uh, these are two friends. Um, I've met them both at conferences and have kept in contact since. But they're also school leaders that show by doing. Um, they're not talking about theory. They're talking about some of the things they've done. And matter of fact, over the last couple of years, I've had just a fun time peeking in on their class. Whether Darren's doing a live stream or Derek's kind of showcasing what his students have been up to, these guys, uh, again, are just great examples of what to do. And, and when they get something wrong, also examples of what not to do. They're very transparent about how they're running their school. So I know that if you're a teacher, this one's going to bring you a lot of value. And if it does, please, A, consider buying their book and also uh, give them a follow. They're very good about getting back with people, um, but they, they definitely uh, are great about providing uh, leadership and, and help along the way. Uh, also, the reason why we grow on the show is we get suggestions to have on leaders just like this. Um, and so if you have an idea of who we should have on next, make sure you email me, dwetrick at startituppfoundation.org. All right. Now I'm pleased to be joined by two guests, the authors of The Revolution. It's time to empower change in our schools. Darren Elwine, Derek McCoy. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. Sure. It's always fun when I get to interview friends because we can skip the formalities and all the, <laughs> you know, all the uncomfortable banter at first and just dig right in. I know, I've known you both for a while and I was super pumped because number one, you guys have two unique perspectives on education. So let's start there. Um, I'll have Derek go first. Derek, tell us where you work, what your background is, and then Darren can go in there and then people can say, oh, this is a pretty broad backgrounds of writing a book. So go for it, Derek. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the strengths of our book is that is how diverse our backgrounds are. So um, the one common thing between us is that we were both born on farms, but then that's about it. I, uh, uh, my teaching experience, uh, well, growing up um, in pop, low income, big family, teaching experience has been in low income, urban schools, high needs. Um, and I've been a middle school principal for about nine years in urban schools and rural schools uh, here in, uh, in Georgia and in, and in North Carolina. And I'm currently a middle school principal here in, in Georgia. Yeah, and like uh, Derek said, we, we didn't know this when we first met each other, but after just talking, both coming from farming backgrounds, uh, which is, uh, to me, that's that's pretty amazing just to kind of think our experiences were very similar. Uh, like Derek growing up, I mean, I, could, I couldn't even tell you the number of times I saw the sheriff's car come to our house on the farm because my dad couldn't pay bills in the 80s. Um, and that perspective, and then given where I'm at now, I'm still kind of in a rural school today. Um, Harrisburg is right below Sioux Falls in South Dakota, uh, growing very quickly. But our school is like, if you literally go a quarter mile to the south, it's gravel roads. Um, but part of our district is the southern edge of Sioux Falls. So we're growing by over 300 kids a year right now within the district. And that is supposed to increase uh, immensely here in the next couple of years. But just really fortunate to be put in a situation at Harrisburg where 
things are are flexible for me to create a purpose and a vision for what education should look like. Yeah. And that's really kind of what our book is talking about. Yeah. And before I get into that, the one thing I've enjoyed is that both of you are transparent. Like you want people to see what's going on in your school. And, you know, we talk about, you know, connected educators and all that stuff. And don't get me wrong. I like it when teachers can share best practice, but like I get cynical every now and then, like people like always get pictures of these like really cool furniture things. And I'm they're like, Don, what do you think? And I'm like, show me the student outcomes. <laughs> so I like it that you guys showcase your school, not just philosophies and ideologies. So I, like, how did you guys like, we should write a book. I credit Bill Ziegler um, <clears throat> with our meeting. And I hope the audience here knows Bill or at least connects with him. Um, he was a digital principal for 2015, NASSP digital principal for 2015. And he put together a presentation on um, like what you were talking about, innovative learning spaces. And he knew Darren, he knew me, he knew um, Nancy out of Texas. And we did a conference call one night and um, we, you know, we just start talking all and all of us are doing, we're doing cool things. But um, while we're talking, I'm hearing Darren talk about what's going on in his middle school. And, you know, I know what's going on in my middle school. And uh, we just took the conversation offline and and we planned a great project to revolutionize middle schools, Don. This was, this, this book was originally about revolutionizing middle schools, but, you know, the more we talked, the more all the conversations just extended to K-12, so. Um, it, it, it really has been just a, a great God created event that, that, that led us together. Yeah. And it's, I tell you, Dan, the one thing Derek doesn't mention is that when he called me to say, Hey, you want to do a book? And I, and I'm thinking at that time I had had several um, authors reach out to me just to do excerpts. So I, I responded, I go, yeah, I can do an excerpt for you. What do you want? And he goes, uh, no, no a book like a whole book <laughs> write it together and I, yeah it's just you know it took me a while just to think about that piece but then like Derek said I mean it's, this isn't just middle school there's there's got to be more people that start speaking change that has to take place because revolutions are about a change that's needed and that's it's more than middle school it's the, there's so many things in this book that people can grasp and I hope we're our hope is just simply it helps and it's it inspires. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I like is is that you guys also I mean, well, first of all, you guys start off with the fact that you have to empower your teachers and and then like trust them, right? And I, I dig that. Um, but then you also like have stories of like what went on and some of the cool things, whether it be, you know, collaborating with with other students in Norway or or you know, just doing deliberately innovative things and like letting the students grow and learn those stories are more than just like, I don't know. I think that they're precious in the sense that like anybody can say, you know, kids should learn. Uh-huh. You know, kids should innovate. Yep. Okay. Here's what we did. And I, and I, I really appreciated that part. You know, one thing that, um, that resonated, well, <clears throat> not quite resonated, but I can't, but I think drove, some of the writing and drove some, I drove a lot of our conversations. It was a realization that there were just some things that at some point that you just get sick of doing 
some things or, or really just reach a point where you're just looking around like, what, are, what am I doing? You know, um, I think and I think that's what uh, that's what really sparks a revolution. You just get you just get sick of just being part of the status quo or you just question why am I why are we just reflexively doing these same things? Uh, you know, and what led to the talk about the, the learning spaces is one of those things. You know, why can't kids go in the hallway or uh, why can't kids? lead discussions uh, why can't we trust them to, to lead uh, curricular discussions so it's, it's just it's about and i don't want to put a negative spin on this like get fired up or, or get upset about things but uh we, we we can want better so 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 that's i think that's at the heart of this book is let's want better let's really really want better and and, and we can all we can all have a part in it you know, I was just talking to someone today, Don, and this is what came to me, is the fact we're in education, and I'm guessing most of the, most of the people that have your podcast downloaded, most of them are educators, maybe beyond too, but our job is about learning and growing. And my viewpoint is if education really hasn't changed as a whole over 100 years maybe, then where's the growth? Mm. And so my challenge is to people to think about you know, learning and even school, being a teacher, every year is an iteration. And you should never think that you're done learning, you're done getting there, you're done getting input from kids for that empowerment piece. But it's about growth. And too many teachers sit there and it's like, I'll teach the same lesson this year and the next year and the next year. And that's not growth. That's, that's just being. Yeah. Friends repeat. No, I, I agree. I, I like the the fact that you look at it as an iteration, or you know, te, you know, beta test two or whatever. It's that's the that's the right attitude to have, because um, as both you guys know, I mean, uh, one thing I like that you guys get mm-hmm. is that there are going to be industries that are severely disrupted. And I get red in the face that every and you guys know this. Every single conference we go to, it's always said, you know. 80% of the jobs that our kids will have when they grow up haven't been invented yet. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. Who's going to invent those jobs? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or s- sincerely, we, we, we look around our world right now. And, you know, this is one of Darren's passions, and I hate to, uh, to take this from him. But, you know, pollution, um, what's going on around us, lack of recycling. I live in a community that doesn't have and recycle that does not have recycling. Um, the pollution in the oceans, that is a world class problem. I mean, those are world class problems. Uh, the economic problems that we got, you're not we're not gonna no, not we aren't gonna solve those problems. Our kids aren't going to solve those problems from a worksheet system. Yep. You know? Well um, unless totally we're agree. Yeah. So unless we're creating some real challenging experiences, some real challenging experiences, some things that they got to struggle with, uh, then we're, we're setting them up for the same repeated failure that, that got them into this situation to begin with. Yeah. And, and you guys are one of the things that like makes me happy is you guys are talking about solutions and doing. I, I I get I get so disheartened and honestly I'm just not on Twitter hardly as much anymore because everybody's so polarized. Everybody wants to call out the bad in the world. 
But our students are like, okay, what are we doing? And that's the thing that's inspiring about the book and what you guys personally are doing as, as school leaders is like, I mean, you can complain all day. I don't care about your politics, but I do care about what you want to do. And, and I, I think that that's, that's something that, that needs to be celebrated. One other thing that, um, well, actually there's several other things I kind of want to go over, but like you, you guys in several cases, both through stories of collaboration and also just kind of other, you know, side stories, you guys are really wanting to build relationships both in the school, but also find those outside experts that want to help your kids. Could you guys give us a, for instance, and I know that like you guys have plenty of stories from the book, but like give us a, for instance, on when you opened up your school walls, so to speak, and you got the kids to work with other groups or entities. Um, You know, one of the things, and this is kind of the inspiration of what you do with your innovation course that you have done, but Um, You know, we have Idea Foundry in our sixth grade. They go through the design thinking process. Um, But this year, we leveled that up in seventh grade. We call it impact. It uses design thinking, but then it takes the UN Global Goals. But with either one of those sixth or seventh grade courses, they have to connect with an expert. And here's a couple of reasons. One, it's a part of the empathy stage. And if if they're an expert, they're going to be giving you not just empathy, but just some some rich pieces of information that they can use to make a great product, to make a great iteration, whatever it's going to be. The the second thing is for our kids to understand that school is about connecting around the world. It's not coming into a building, do a couple drills, fire drill, severe weather drill, get out of the building. It is, you can connect with people with the technology we have today anywhere in the world. For example, uh, two weeks ago, I had two girls working on gender equity. And they wanted to know what it was like in different places in the world. They connected via video chat with a lady in Morocco, a teacher, and then a lady in Nigeria. Uh, And to get those experiences of, hey, if I was a 13-year-old in your country, tell me what it would be like. And you can't can't put that into a curriculum. That's just something that gets created. So... uh I guess going into one of the uh, major expansions at my previous school, at Western Ryan Middle, uh, was we had a comp- we had a compassion project where uh, compassion was one of the f- five core values we had at our school, and our teachers saw and th- it's, it's one of those proud proud moments, you know, a legacy moment where teachers really saw the value and the need for um, building up values. In our students, not just enforcing rules like you will do this or you won't do that, um, but what kind of people do we want our students to be? So uh, one of our values was compassion, was building compassionate students, and we had a compassion project where they went out in the community with the goal to either change a life, change the community, or change the world. So uh, every student in the middle school, um, independently or with the or did something. And um, at the end, you, you just saw some great things. And uh, service learning, you know, it's one of those things we get away from because we're just we're directed to, to to do things, or to we're told we can't do some things, or we have to do certain things a certain way. But uh, what's what's really the most important part? So um, at the end, you make you make kids understand. Kids get it. The parents are. Uh, this is this is what they want to see and 
and you know, going back to what Darren said, building that that empathy piece, that global empathy or that uh, that community uh, uh, empathy for what's going on, empathy or relevance for what's going on around them. Yeah, I love that, and just them like, finding the collaborators, like you were saying earlier, was so. Like you said, you you can't you can't have that in the curriculum. That's that's something that's earned and that's something that's found and. Um, I just, I, I love that. And, and my gosh, <laughs> no offense, Darren, <laughs> you're in South Dakota. Like, I mean, <laughs> this is so bad of me to say, but like South Dakota, like the, you guys aren't in LA or New York, you're collaborating with people. And, and I kind of like, I don't know, it, it always kind of wins my heart and, and sorry, Derek. I mean, this is small town guy talking kind of thing, but, um, I, y- it's proof that you can connect anywhere from, you know, from, any school, you don't have to be in the, the big cities or anything else like that. So that, that gives us a, a boost of confidence. Um, so since you, you've written the book, uh, you guys have had some time to reflect on it. Um, what is like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to speak from my own personal experience. It always felt like when, when I wrote my book, it was never the right time because I wanted to share other students success stories. So in my, so in my instance, I always felt like, Oh, I wrote the book too soon because this year we did that. So have you guys had anything that you like, if you could add five extra pages, would you want to add more stories or is there something else that you would want to enhance or add to uh, since you've written it? Um, definitely more, definitely more teacher stories. And, and I, I'll say this, um, you know, first I want to thank every, all the collaborators, everybody who, contributed to our book, um, to our project and help help make it what it is, including you, Don. Um, <clears throat> but if we could have found a way, if we could have found a way to, add, if we could have found a way to add more teacher stories that I would have liked to see uh, a lot more revolutionary tales um, from, from what's going on around. And, and we, we put a lot in there, you know, it's not just about what's going on at our schools. There are a lot of people are doing some just truly revolutionary things out there, but um, but I, I think I think that's what the that's what readers want to see is that yeah it's real and it's happening and uh, it, and it doesn't look a certain way you know people have to tailor great experiences for their own environments and for their own schools. Yeah, that, that's a tough question, Don. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is maybe even in making it more real in the book and talking about, um, you know, I touched on it a little bit with like our personalized learning movement that we have with kids scheduling, but that was really hard. There were failures. There were, there were parents that were upset. One parent literally looked at me before we started our first year of it and said, so you're going to take my sixth grader and they're going to be a test monkey for this project. And yeah. it's, it's those, it's those yep. things that, you know, as I look back after we finish now to let people know that this, this is hard and that's a part of it being real because life is real. Um, and I think that's probably some of the key pieces I put in there. Mm. Mm. Well, I, let me, if I may, two, the two things, and it wasn't a huge part of the book, but it was among my favorite were the, were the two yets. And I want to go into them both. Visionary at Grounded. I love that. We'll get into that second. 
and bold yet reflective. I'm going to start with that one first. Um, as you guys have pointed out, you know, I've had a, a, an odd um, innovation class and bold is what we encourage. But I, I like when you guys wrote in there because like the reflective piece is everything. Like when you took those risks, like what did you take away? Things didn't work out. That's cool. How did you, re, you know, like the, that reflection piece on there? Um, for those that haven't yet read the, read the book, and by the way, you should, um, what, what kind of reflective tools do you think that uh, teachers should um, encourage beyond just the pencil and paper? I, well, I'll tell you the absolute first thing that teachers need to do they need to be reflective by taking feedback from their own kids in the classroom. I think that's, mm, that's the yeah. critical part. Um, I was just talking to a couple of facilitators today in our personalized learning program and saying, you know, I'm going to ask kids some questions here in the next week before we're done with school for the year. And do you want to hear their honest feedback? And all of them were right away said, yes. Now we'll, we'll see when that time actually comes, when I give them that feedback, how they respond, but that's something that they can do. And I hope we do more on a regular basis because we're not here to serve each other as adults. We're here to serve kids and kids need to be in that driver's seat. And if I may to add to that point, the, it's critical that students see us be reflective or that they know that we are being reflective. Um, so when we're uh, when we're having conversations, if uh, when we're explaining to students about what's going on in the classroom, they, they need to see uh, the value of being reflective and the and the value of uh, you know making corrections or, or making adjustments because that's not just a sixth grade tenth week lesson. That's a that's a life lesson, you know. Um, we also talk about being resilient in, in the book. So, um, how do you how do you teach a model of resilience? Students have to see that, you know, and we have to communicate that. So uh, that's we have to we have to model because if, if we don't if we don't place priority on it, then it, then it won't get done, and students won't won't see it, and they won't know the value of it, and they won't come to appreciate that 10 years down the road. Yeah. And, Go ahead, Darren. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to tell you down when you, when you talk about that bold, bold, but reflective, I, uh, when I looked at that part and as we were writing it, the thing that popped into my mind is the antithesis of that is bold and cocky. And mm -hmm. there's, I think there's too many leaders that are bold. And at the same time, they, they don't want to take anyone else's input. And I think you have to be humble enough as a leader, or as a teacher leader, however you want to look at it, and you need to be bold, risks, et cetera, but you have to be humble enough to be able to take the input and the feedback. So mm, I'm not sure if I'll weigh in on that because there's two people I really look up to on the innovation field, and one is very thoughtful and takes um input and one always has the answers and won't listen to anybody i'll i bet i better shut up because i admire them both uh but no I, I love that that was a really 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 great point uh that you made um 
the the other the other uh, yet statement that I really liked, and and I don't care who goes first, but I I love the visionary yet grounded. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to talk about that one. You guys talk about that one, and I want to get into like what that meant to me. Uh, okay, I um. I had a, a, a friend contact me over, DM me over, over Twitter. He's uh, going for a principal interview and I guess he got wind of one of their questions or he knows what, one of their themes and is talking about, um, and, and the theme is on innovation. So what I was, what I, the, the advice I gave him is, you know, don't, don't assign innovation to technology. Innovation is just about the response. You have a need, how are you going to respond? And then are, then how are we going to make people um, how we're going to make people buy into it. So <clears throat> when you see the need, you have to develop a vision. You have to have to know that there, that it's worthwhile and, and that we're going and that it's going to be intimidating for a lot of people. Um, so we have to, um, we have to build that bold vision. You know, we're, we're going here and it's going to be different. It, it's just going to be different. And at the same time, the, the people who lead that, whether it's the principals or the teacher leaders themselves, they have to account for the people in the room who have real feelings or real trepidation um, or, or can have real trepidation. Uh, it's, it's not, we can't just force things down, down throats. So we, have, we lead people, we don't lead initiatives. Um, so we have talks, we build relationships, we make people understand that uh, learner-centered change is about learners. Uh, but we have to we have to do what we can in it. You know, it's kind of funny, funny down the pieces that you just picked out. Those are probably two of our last pieces we did in the book. Yep. Those, those were almost afterthoughts of, you know, should we include it or not? So it's kind of interesting you pinpoint it. But for me, that visionary yet grounded is there's a model in my life. It's my yeah. current superintendent. And he is not tech savvy uh, a whole lot, but he's very, he's not tech savvy, but his vision for what he wants for kids is what's driving a lot of what we do. So he's very grounded. He's very old school in so many, so many ways, but he is such a visionary on how he views school and where he wants it to go. And I think that's a lot of us have that person that we think about when we see those pieces. Yeah, it's funny you said that was the last part because that's that's among my favorite. Um, just because like uh, those two paradoxes—not paradoxes—but uh, those two juxtapositions are are exactly, I think, one of the heart of school change. Like, well, you you said it yourself. Uh, I think it was Darren. Like, oh, so you know, my child's going to be an experiment. Well, yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you, we're going to go into new territory. That's being visionary. But we're not going to go crazy. We're not going to, you know, we're, yeah, like, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, your child's it's going to, he or she is going to do some cool things. That's visionary, That's right. but grounded. And at the same time, both you guys are well. Heck, I, like literally bold and reflective. You guys are bold in the sense that, like, you guys are middle school principals, um, and you're reflective. Like, a, you guys open up your 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 schools, whether it be, you know, I've actually personally done some like Flipgrid stuff with you guys, or, you know, you guys, you know, like have some live look-ins or, or the book. Um, those, those things I think are, are at the heart. 
So I, I think it's, it's funny that that was maybe been the last thing. I think it's, in my humble opinion, among the like most impactful at the heart of, of what you guys do. So hats wow. off to keeping that in there. That's my favorite part. Cool. Um, uh, that, that being said, um, I, I want to know, or like, I want our audience to know, uh, other than the fact that, first of all, again, the revolution is time to empower change uh, in our schools. You can find it on uh, like Barnes and Noble, um, uh, Amazon, of course. But if they want to connect with you guys, where should they find you? Um, you can find uh, you can find me. I'm Derek McCoy. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, this is probably where. Um, well, this is definitely where Don Don and I, Darren, and I met. Uh, I'm, I, my Twitter name is at McCoy. I, at McCoy Derrick. Um, you can also connect with me on my website at, uh, and it is also McCoyDerrick.com. And uh, yeah, we're just, we're looking to, to connect with you and help you start your revolution. Yeah, for me on Twitter, uh, echo what Derek just said. Um, you can find me at Delline, D-E-L-L-W-E-I-N. Uh, same on Instagram with the gram there. And you can go to my website too, DarrenLine.com. But if you want me, I always tell people, if you want me to respond quickly, then message me on Twitter. Don't email. Um, the quickest way is to really connect through that means. Yeah. Oh, uh, Don, if I may, uh, if you want to get a copy of the book quick, um, we have a bit.ly. You can do bit.ly forward slash the revolution is here. Capital T, capital R. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool make sure i put that in the show notes last question i dig the cover who did the cover <laughs> uh it wasn't us it was okay no, no, somebody a lot more talented uh than, I... works with dave burgess publishing so. okay no it looks at i love it but it's you're right i mean <laughs> we, i don't know what... it's strong but it's peaceful it's got old school it's got new school i anyway yeah. That's well, a tease. That like here we are on an audio podcast <laughs> talking about something visual, but uh, as I check it out, no, I, I dig it. I, I dig it. So well, you'll love this part, Don. Just given how how passionate you are about uh, the entrepreneurial world, but that cover that had about five iterations to it. Oh, yeah. Um, kept kept kicking it back, trying to give that um, that dynamic of old and new, just like you talked about. Um, and then I just got input like Brad Gustafson said, Hey, why don't you guys make it like an iPad frame? And it was just great feedback from some people too. Um, but, uh, Genesis is the name of the person that did that. Um, and yeah, we, we love the cover. We only laugh because there's some, there's some inside jokes on that. So <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I said, as last question, I guess I, I was mistaken. One last, last question. What was that feeling like when you went to the mailbox and you got your first cover? <laughs> like you held it in your hand for your first time. Man, uh, I it was a little emotional. I mean, it was it was emotional. I mean, it, it, and it's not just about all the work that we had done. And um, and I'll say this: I count Darren as one of my close friends right now. He's um, we've had a great writing experience, a great experience connecting and writing and growing together. Uh, so it wasn't unpleasant, but when it was done and when they, 
when they, when they said it was going to be published, that was something. But having that book in my hand, it was it was emotional. It it, it really was. It was it was something else. It was something else. Yeah, it it was amazing. I mean to open up the box and you see the smiley face Amazon box and it's like you open up the box real slow and it's like, Oh my gosh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> so special moment. Don, I got it. Can I ask I you a question? Yeah, man. Yeah. So when you get, who, who were your, who were some of the first people you sent books to? You sent a copy of your book to. Yeah. Man. My mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Actually, to be fair, I thought I thought, man, maybe I shouldn't because I didn't think too many people would buy the book. So I was like, I can at least count my mom and dad to buy a copy. But I've seen a copy <laughs> of them. Uh, a, a couple of my heroes. Uh, I sent one to Dan Pink. Uh, uh, somebody else, I forget. But yeah, yeah. Now yeah. yeah, it was well. Here, here's how old school I was. I've got my video saved because I knew there was probably in the mailbox and I wore like ready for this. I wore my Google glass. <laughs> I, said, I said, okay, glass. And I went out there and I, and I recorded like the last eight steps to my uh, mailbox and then opened it up and then like unboxed it on Google glass. So <laughs> my gosh, how fast that came and went, huh? <laughs> Only five years ago. And it seems like, Yeah. Yeah. Now, now it's just made fun of anyway. <laughs> well, guys, I, a, I, I, I um, I'm happy to guys uh, like call you a friend and I, I'm proud of, of what you guys are doing. Uh, I agree. I like the fact that this is a diverse book. These are different perspectives from different kinds of schools. And I think that is needed. Uh, and then lastly, and I think most importantly, you guys hold up student success and I dig that. Um, I, I love what you guys do for students first and foremost. And, and, the fact that you guys um, reflected on it, decided to uh, put out a book to the world to kind of see what's possible and, and how you guys mix things up is needed. And it's, a, it's honestly a breath of fresh air. So congratulations to you both. Yeah, well, thanks. Well, thanks for setting the bar for us too, Don. Yeah, Seriously. And supporting us. I mean, just truly over, I, I just count, I just remember the first time we met in, in Atlanta and our subsequent conference. Uh, conversation since and I, I'm, I'm proud to, I'm proud and glad to call you a friend so you know appreciate yeah. you man all right so there you go guys Derek McCoy Darren Elwine guys sincerely appreciate it best of luck in the future and reach out to these guys they get back it's faster than they'll get out check out the book you'll enjoy other than that this is Don Winter reminding you there's opportunities everywhere we'll see ya <laughs>